You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Our teaching text today comes from Proverbs 16.9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Good morning. You guys can follow me everywhere I go. Um, It's a big boost. Um, I'm sorry for him. He has to do that every time I do this. Um, I don't know what version you're reading, but that's not the version we're using. Um, We're using English Standard Version. Uh, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Um, I believe that God has more for us this morning, even though... What has already happened has been a true sign of the presence of God. So just stand ready for what the Lord has for you today. Um, I'm Catherine, if we've never met. I'm attached to Patrick. Um, But Oaks has been our home for three years or so, so I'm so happy to be here. Um, When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? This is an actual answer. A what? One of the three little pigs. That's not a real... (laughs) That's not a real thing. <laughs> Who else? A princess. Astronaut. Cowboy. Wow. Dancer. What? Janet Jackson. Yes, Lord. Um, anyone else? Last one. President? Okay. That's good. That's good. So we're aligned. Um, When I was a kid, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a sonic waitress. I don't know if you guys know what sonic is. Um, You get to roller skate for your job. Um, I was a very big roller skater in my early days. And I also wanted to be the first female president. Um, And I don't want to be either of those things now. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty glad neither of those worked out for me, to be honest with you. But The whole thing of this is that we love to make plans. We love to look to our future. We love to talk about what we're doing for this weekend or for vacation or for our entire life in that fact. Um, And we know, we love to know exactly how we're going to get there and go after it, especially New Yorkers, right? Like we come with a plan, with a drive and we're gonna make it happen. And as we've been in this series on wisdom, this passage really stuck out to me because, I mean, it's not a complicated verse. You all can read it and get the gist of it. But it's a question that I've asked myself over and over again. Some version of this is like, what's the plan here? How am I going to get what I want, if I'm being honest? What are the steps to get there? And how can I make my hopes and dreams a reality? And I think we think about that a lot um, as a human race. And that's okay. Um, Thankfully, we serve a God of grace and truth, and he has something to say about it. Uh, So let's break this down. Um, I'm going to talk about, define some terms, and I'm going to, I looked at the original Hebrew of some of these things, and I know for some of you that's kind of an intimidating thing. 
Guys, if you can translate a menu in a foreign country, you can look up the original Hebrew of the scripture. So I don't want you to think that this is some super secret skill that only people who stand up here have. Um, The internet will help you. So um, let's break this down. The heart of man plans his way. Often in scripture, heart refers to not the organ, but our inner being, our soul, the deepest part of us. And I think we use that colloquially as well. Plans, that is haseb in Hebrew, and that means to weave together. Um, In some texts, it actually uses the words to plot or devise. And I think weaving is such a good word for how I've made plans in my life. So think about, okay, I'm going to get my degree, then I'm going to get an internship, then I'm going to get a job at this very specific place, I'm going to work really late, I'm going to wear great clothes, I'm going to get a promotion, I'm going to make lots of money. And then all of my plan and all of my, you know, everything comes true at that point. Or maybe I'm going to go to this party, I'm going to wear something cute, but not too cute. And then I'm going to bump into the sky at a coffee shop and I'm going to like his post. This was earlier in my life. Um, <laughs> I like his post, but not comment. And then we're married, right? So like we, we like put all these things together. We weave all of these pieces of us to make a plan. And it's not really a positive or negative thing that we do it, it's just a fact. We make plans and we weave pieces of our lives together, but there's no fruit or outcome yet in plans. They're just a plan. And I think it's really important to say that we care very deeply about our plans, because it's not just where we're going to lunch after church, it comes from a very deep place within us that's shaped over time, people, experiences, and there are hopes. There are dreams, there are expectations, there are pieces of our identity. And so there's something very tender about the plans that we've made for ourselves. Second half of this verse, the Lord establishes his steps. So Lord here is Yahweh, the name of God, and Ryan in our first uh, sermon on this series, he reminded us that this isn't just an abstract God, but it's a God with a name a God with a character, a God who can be known. Um, And I think that's really critical for when we talk about him establishing our steps. The word establish, we use that every day. There's something very permanent about it. I look at a building every time I go on the train, it says established 1863, and I'm like, wow, you survived. (laughs) You've done it. Um, And it signifies something that has been there and will most likely continue to be there. There's a real permanence there. It has also pre-existed me and my plans. In Hebrew, that word is yakin, and this word can also mean to prepare, to direct, to make ready. Steps is sa'ad, and this means steps. Um, And I say that just because it's just supposed to be like a normal, everyday step pace. There's nothing... I don't know, there's nothing crazy or weird about it. Just your steps that take you from your day-to-day life, right? And I wanted to break that down because I think this verse says so much about the character of God. And whenever I'm reading scripture, I really want to think about what is this saying about the character of God? Because you can discern any context in your life against the character of God. It's not necessarily a simple character, but it is knowable and it is unchanging. So we can depend on it in every scenario. And in this, when we talk about the Lord establishing our steps, I think of a really personal being that is very caring, that is very patient, that is very detailed, 
It's not a general idea of where we're going. It's very specific. This is the way in which you will get to your destination. It's very intentional. It's not just walking alongside us. It's going before us and preparing those steps to lay each individual stone that creates a pathway, all with the intention of God's will for our life becoming a reality. One of my favorite names of God is El Royai, which refers to Hagar, um, who was a servant woman who um, went through a lot of bad things in her life. And she interacted with God and she said, you are the God who sees me. And when I think about the Lord establishing our steps, that is the El Royai. He says, just as you are, I see your heart, I see your gifts, I see your hopes, I see your bank account, I see your downfalls, and I say, I have made a way for you. Not you, you, very specifically. So caring. I have a really personal example of this in my life, of the Lord establishing my steps. So about, I don't know, 11 years ago or so, um, I was fired from a job. And this like totally destroyed me. It was not a layoff. I was fired. Um, And I was just not the person that got fired. You know, I really valued myself to be a person of excellence. I had two degrees. I was on a path, like I said, um, for my career. And all of that just like fell out before me underneath my feet. And this was on the back of a long phase of unemployment, probably two years before. And so I was really scared. And I said, okay, the Lord provided before, he will provide again, but I don't really know. And now I've got this really bad thing on my resume that I was fired. Um, And so I got up every day, I did my resume, I did my cover letters, I was on LinkedIn, I did all the things of diligence that you're supposed to do. And it was months. We were engaged at the time, probably seven months went by, and an old boss of mine from four years before called me and said, hey, are you working right now? I said, no, actually. He's like, well, I have this gig. It's temporary, but I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, okay, um, that sounds fine. I'll do it. Cut to seven years later, um, that was my job. And it was something that I really loved, something that I felt really good at. And there was no amount of planning or weaving that I could have done that could have put that job before me. It was not posted. I had not talked to him. I did not know this organization. And the Lord said, I have prepared a way for you. I see your gifts. I see you despite what has happened. And I acknowledge that there is a way forward, that there is a hope here. And that opportunity changed the course of my career entirely. Um, It put me in a completely different realm of work and I feel so thankful for that because in my day to day, I know that these are the plans that the Lord has made for me and that my gifts can flourish in this space. And it would not have happened if if, if, if those string of events hadn't come together. So I think in this verse, there are two invitations for us here. Participation. Like I said, it's not a bad thing to make plans. I think the Lord welcomes it. He created us as innovative, creative, emotional beings with hopes, dreams, and drives, and these are holy acts. We serve a God that himself is creative, that himself is innovative, and these are just reflections of himself back to him. And I think it's such a great piece of intimacy to say, God, these are my hopes, these are my dreams. 
He's interested. He wants to know. He wants to hear them. He wants to be a part of it. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The sweet spot is when the desires of God that he puts in your heart are also your desires. And that is a real possible thing for all of us. To not just wonder if this is a thing that I should want or can want. God can do that. God can put those holy desires in you. The second one is the really hard one, surrender. So when I think about surrendering my plans, I think about when you're walking in a group on the street, and I'm sure you've had this experience, you're walking, you're walking, you're walking, say you're going to lunch, and you're like, whoa, I have no idea where I'm going. Um, and you know, there's 10 people behind you, and you're realizing you're going to lead everyone astray. And so you say, who knows where we're going? And then you step back, and you let that person lead. I always feel very relieved in that moment. Um, this is no longer on me. I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to lead anyone. And you drop back. It's the wisest thing you can do in that moment is to surrender and follow the one who knows the way, the one who has been there before. There's just so much relief in that. You don't have to lead. You don't have to know. You just have to follow. I think there's so much safety in that as well because someone could lead you astray, could lead you into danger even. And if we're talking about letting the Lord establish our steps, it's not just the one who has been there before, but the one who made you and knows you and loves you and created you. And again, is saying, you, I have a plan for, and you can follow me. Most often our knowledge needs context and perspective to become wisdom. Um, this has been talked about quite a few times before. And God is that perspective. We can know something, but until it's really put to work or put to life, it's not, it doesn't become wisdom. It doesn't become applied. And God is that perspective for all of us. He is outside of time and space and manages to hold all of it at the same time somehow. And like I said, he's looking at you very specifically, directly in the eye and saying, you can follow me. I've got you. I know the way. I know where the bumps are. I know where the traffic light is. In pre-service prayer today, someone mentioned speed bumps, and I couldn't help but think of this part because sometimes there are speed bumps and we are slowed down and our plans aren't really going. And sometimes that's from the Lord too. It's important to note that God also knows the destination not just the way. The plans of God will always result in the glory of God. The plans of God will always result in the glory of God. That is really hard because if we're honest, I think we want our own glory, we want our own happiness, we want our own comfort. Um, but like Chris said, the glimpse of the glory of God is so much better than the speed bumps that we experience along the way to our own plans becoming a reality. Today we sang so much about the glory of God and we gave in to that moment of making sure that he knew that he is praised and he is honored. And that can be in our everyday plans of just submitting it back to him and giving him glory for whatever it is. There's a lot of themes throughout the book of Proverbs. If you haven't read it, it can be a bit of a hard read because every sentence you're like, okay, different thing, different thing, different thing. But I encourage you to read it because there's a lot of themes. Um, 
of what is produced by a wise life, by living a wise life. Righteousness, being holy, being without sin, justice, that whatever is done is done correctly and right and what is due to your neighbor. And productivity and diligence. Uh, I was preparing for this and I heard someone talk about Proverbs 31, which is the woman of valor. And if you're a woman that has been held over you at some point in your Christian life, I'm sure, to say, this is what you need to become. Um, But my take is that it's actually for all of us, not just for women, because, thank you, yep. (laughs) Because that is just what a a wise life looks like. When you submit to the wisdom of God, when you submit to his plans, you will bless others. Her productivity is a productivity that blesses others. It is not for personal gain. So I think we can use that as an example for all of us. Without shame or guilt, but an opportunity, an invitation. And I also have to say, if you're not seeing this kind of fruit from your plans and pursuits, if it's leading to sin, if it's leading to subjugation of others, if it's leading to um, a slothfulness or something that is selfish gain, you may need to step back into discernment to say, is this really, these really the plans that God has for me? Because again, the plans of God can only result in the glory of God. That's your litmus test. If he's not getting glory, it's probably not from him. But there's good news. He equips us for the journey. I say this a lot, and I'm probably gonna say it five times before I'm done. God is not out to get you. He is not out to trick you. He's not out to make you think, you know, gotcha, you know, like some kind of trick. He is always there for you. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, and I think this has been referenced a few times in this series because it's a good one. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom, capital S, and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The spirit of wisdom is the Holy Spirit. This is not a trick. If you are a follower of God, you already have the spirit of wisdom. This is not something for when you're old. This is not something for those who study the Bible day and night. This is for you. It is very accessible. Throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is literally called the breath of God, something that surrounds us, our advocate, our comforter, our counselor, the one who groans on our behalf when we have nothing left to say in those deepest moments from our heart. Proverbs 8, read the whole chapter, it's so good, says that wisdom was active during creation and helped form the earth, was actually a helpmate and a counterpart to God in the creation. There's no better life coach, how-to book, class that can direct your future better than the active presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. I just have to say, I know for some people the Holy Spirit sounds like, I don't know, that sounds a little crazy, but it is the peace of God that resides with us, that is active, that small voice in your head that is pushing you and towards him, it's worth listening to. It's worth really trying 
to silence the noise of the world and to follow it. So all we have to do is ask also. Um, If you feel like, I don't really know that I've ever felt or heard the active presence of God. I think today also, if you come at two o'clock, it's a great place to practice that, to lean into that. Um, One great example, King Solomon, he's known for being wise. That's kind of his thing. Um, He became king when he was very young, and that is a really big job, and he wanted to do it well and remain faithful to the Lord, and so he asked. 1 Kings 3, 7 through 12, this is small. I'm going to read it for you. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked. He welcomes him. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, again, that theme of justice of a wise life, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And it goes on to say that King Solomon was known for being wise. Um, He was famous for it. A lot of the book of Proverbs is attributed to him. We don't know exactly, um, but they they, uh, believe that he contributed much of the book. And all he did was submit himself to the plans of God and ask for more wisdom. It seems too simple. And that's true of the gospel in (laughs) in any state. It seems too simple. But again, God is for you. He's not trying to trick you. So if it seems simple, it's because it is simple. I don't know how long I'm supposed to do this for. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to do another quick example because I think it's really cool. Um, From Exodus. God had given very specific instructions to Moses to build the tabernacle. And this is the place where the presence of God would reside. Again, another big job that God had asked of someone. But he didn't appoint Moses to build the temple. He built someone, he appointed someone that you've probably never heard of. This is Exodus 31, one through six. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. How amazing. Shout out to our artists and craftsmen. Like, he cares about woodworking. He cares about uh, iron work. I can't even, like, I don't even know the words to what, you, to what you do. But it's amazing, and God cared about that. And he didn't use Moses to do that. He used someone else, someone that he appointed, someone that he had gifted specifically. And that's another thing. I don't think we have to talk in generalities here either. God is a God of detail. He made the Adam, you know, he made... I don't know, the hundred legs on the centipede. He's a God of detail. And he will equip you very specifically for what he has called you. So I think the critical question 
that this leads us to today is can you trust him? Can you trust the Lord to establish your steps? Whether or not you let that person lead the way in the group that you're going to lunch with hinges entirely on whether you trust that person. I've been in scenarios where I was like, I don't think that person should lead. I'll figure it out. Uh, You know, maybe they have led you astray before and you're like, that's okay, I'll figure it out. Um, So trust is critical in this and whether you can take them at their word and like I said, whether they would lead you into danger even, not just even off the path. Wisdom can come in two ways. It can either come from your own learning from experience or trusting someone else who has had that experience. And when it comes to our future, we have absolutely no way of knowing what is to come. We cannot gain that experience from ourselves, but we know someone. We know someone who has forged ahead, who has cleared the path and says, this is it, walk here. You don't need to question, it's safe, it's for you. It leads to where I'm trying to take you, which is ultimately a place of flourishing, a place of wholeness, a place of shalom, to a fuller experience of the kingdom of God. Like I said, I'm glad I'm not the president of the United States (laughs) or a sonic waitress. And maybe in that moment, I would have been really disappointed to find out that that wasn't what God had for me. I'm gonna invite the band up, by the way. I always do this too late, so come on up. Um, And I think when we think about where we're going, the presence of God is the invitation. So as we enter into reflection, I just invite you to ask that question. Right here, right now, do I trust God? Oh, man. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) This is not a professional performance here, folks. (laughs) Do I trust God right here, right now? Do I trust him enough to establish my steps? So much of what Chris mentioned before, God is so good to plant that seed because that's exactly what we're talking about. Our hopes, our dreams, our future. A few weeks ago on the screen, we prayed for very specific prayer requests, and it was fertility, health, marriage, relationships. I can't think of anything more gut-wrenching in our lives than those things that we hold on to so tightly, and it feels so scary to trust God with. And so maybe there's that thing in your life where you're just like, I don't even know that I can say it. I don't even know that I can say it out loud but I believe that God has something for me here. We serve a good God, we serve a faithful God, we serve a God who loves you more than you can comprehend and he went to great lengths to show it. There is safety and freedom on the other side of trust. So, yeah, if there's something specific that you feel like you want to trust God with, Or if you feel like you have no experience or knowledge of God, you're like, I don't know who this is. I definitely don't trust him with this. But I'd like to investigate. Please come forward for prayer. Someone would love to pray for you. All you have to do is ask. God abundantly gives. 
Or maybe right now all you can see is the hurt or pain or disappointment from a plan that you had held so deeply that gone didn't come. And you've been hoping and praying for it for a long time. We'd love to pray with you and you can submit that pain back to the Lord. And he can walk forward with you into a new hope, into a new dream. So please stand, let's worship together and um, let's just submit this back to the Lord.